Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. It is Wednesday, May 2nd, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am here in the house with Steve Say. You haven't lived until you've seen Bob Ryer give Playboy magazine the middle finger. (laughs) Well, wait, wait. Specific page. It's not one of the good pages. It's that page. Sorry. um, The man who's angry, Bob Ryer. Guten Tag. And Stephanie Cook. Hello. <laughs> well, this has just erupted right at the beginning here. Um, I was going to save it uh, for later on the, s- the show, but I guess we should just probably talk about it you right now. You don't have to no, right now. I, just, I couldn't help it. I was laughing. I couldn't. No, no. We can talk about it right now. It's okay. So um, for those of you who don't know, Grant Morrison did an interview in Playboy this month, <sighs> and he said he said some stuff. He said some stuff. Um, now, Bob, uh, what are you particularly angry about here well the first bit was looking at zatanna at the left hand border of the page looking like she should be posing for penthouse not even playboy (laughs) uh well i don't think grant morrison drew that though no i know but his uh, version of the character from seven soldiers was drifting in that direction to begin with it's uh art by frank quietly okay who's liberty matter no that's not liberty mouse that's frank cho yes (laughs) take it back sorry Uh, (laughs) let's erase that uh but he's giving this interview as if he's come upon these things fully formed from his brow. Uh, <laughs> Batman is gay. Okay, yes, that's, that's the big thing, right? That's right. the thing that's got everybody kind of um, all in an uproar about things that he said. Um, and I'll just read a blurb here from what he said. Gayness is built into Batman. I'm not using gay in the pejorative sense, but Batman is very, very gay. There's just no denying it. Obviously, as a fictional character, he's intended to be heterosexual, but the basis of the whole concept is utterly gay. I think that's why people like it. All of these women fancy him, and they all wear fetish clothes and jump around on rooftops to get to him. He doesn't care. He's more interested in hanging out with the old guy and the kid. Okay, that, 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 okay. The, the, the comment is gay in the pejorative sense. Um, this is the Frederick Worth argument from the 50s. I'm doing the thumb thing, okay? Yeah. Somebody want to tell I'm me really what pejorative this. means? Negative. Awesome. Yeah. In the negative sense. Um, you know, the, Batman and, and his ward, Dick Grayson, and he went down the whole name thing, and they walk around in their dressing gowns, and they're always in their PJs <laughs> walking around the manor. Okay, as created, there was no Robin. That was given to him later, so he had someone to talk to, mm-hmm. that it didn't seem so dark, and they were trying to lighten it up some. So all the things he's talking about, no, layered on afterwards, maybe, if you want to look at it that way. Mm-hmm. But is that why, I mean, his other comments, that's why people are attracted to the book? Okay, you guys read Batman. Is that why you're attracted to Batman? Totally. <laughs> <laughs> For me, no, that's not what, I mean, I don't really think of it that way. But again, like he said, it's a fictional character. So my idea with fictional characters is, 
they are what they are. So if he's never been gay in any of the stories, then mm-hmm. I don't think he is gay. Not that it matters, but um, I think that's a weird thing to put on somebody. What I do like about Grant Morrison is that, yes, he says things that are sometimes outlandish and sometimes borderline insane. And, <laughs> and, and that's how he writes his comics sometimes. But he has no fear about saying things people don't want to hear or writing things people don't want to read. He's going to write or say the things that he wants to and kind of screw the screw everybody, what everybody thinks. And I, okay, more power to him. It's a mm-hmm. world where you can do that. But right. um, Batman gay, okay, Robin Hood and his Merry Men, the three musketeers, mm-hmm. guys tend to hang out with guys. Right. You know, in sporting party. events. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's it's just... Stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's just stupid. What do you think about the comment, Steve? Uh, to be honest, it doesn't really matter to me either way. Um, if Batman turned out to be gay, he'd be the coolest gay, <laughs> non-real <laughs> person that yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, no, it's all good. I think it's. Um, I think it's reaching a little bit, mm-hmm. perhaps. Um, I don't know my, you know my my, I I I I fear that I would get a little bit too personal if I got if I got into it here, <laughs> but um, I mean it's obviously not a, about uh, what no, we think of uh, you know homosexual people no, at all. No, but it's just making this comment yeah. sixty years after this came up as a reason to yeah. ban Batman. I don't comics. think it's anything new, but I I also I don't know. I think that human beings in general, at their core, are deviants. And whether they want to deny it or not, that there might be a small part of them that might want to believe this or can draw comparisons mm-hmm. to it. But to <laughs> to make to make Batman come off like he's you know he's hanging with the old the old pardon me but like the old fag and the kid right is kind of a little it's a little bit much. It doesn't have to go into that territory. It doesn't, and I think that it'd be easy for people maybe listening to think that. Um, who don't know us, obviously, think that this challenges who we think of as Batman because Batman's supposed to be this extremely masculine, tough character. Oh. But that's not anything to do with it. It's just assertions by someone as a, as a creator that seem to be unfounded. I mean, Stephanie, what do you think of the comments that he made? I mean, his comments are his own, and obviously as a writer, he views Batman in his own way. But um, as a reader, I mean, <clears throat> I... I don't really see where he's coming from. I think to add on to Steve's point a little bit, um, I think everyone in their own way has homosexual tendencies in some way or another, but I don't think that's necessarily Mm -hmm. cause to say that Batman is completely gay. Mm -hmm. Um, It just means he has a weird set of priorities. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) He dresses up at night. I mean, he's in a lot of ways an asexual character in a lot of ways. Yeah, like he's more focused yeah. on the fact that he wants to stop crime instead of, you know, yeah. being with getting into ladies' panties. Catwoman, yeah. except in the issues of Catwoman. Apparently. Well, I mean, we see him, yes. you know, we, we see him being Not promiscuous and hanging out at his, his benefits and stuff. He's always got ladies on his arms and he's, you know, putting up the whole show of hanging out with two of them at one time. Right, the four yeah. reporters and stuff like that. But, you know, he's always, we discussed this a while ago, that mm-hmm. he's always in control. Yeah. And that... You know he's he's Batman first, yeah, and he's Bruce Wayne second. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole asexual thing, like I really just don't find him being concerned, right? About like if anybody, yeah. Robin, 
dating mm-hmm. around or, you know, mm-hmm. one of the other Batmans maybe, but the Bruce Wayne Batman, I don't think so. Right, yeah. Well, I think too, like if we're going to say Batman's gay, like in, in the Marvel universe, Tony Stark and Iron Man is a very similar character in the sense that he's this mm-hmm. billionaire playboy. And are, are we saying that like Tony Stark's gay too? Like He does just... wear that bright red. <laughs> and again, and he wears it, it, well. it, it's not to say that there shouldn't be... Oh no! Absolutely not. We're, we're not saying no, that. No. It's just layering that onto a character whose history is something different mm-hmm. for the sake of making a controversial statement to Playboy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, should we do the Wonder Woman thing, or should I jump ahead to Magneto and really go crazy? <laughs> there's um, there's actually a um, there's a homosexual event going on right now in Astonishing X Men. Oh yeah. Um, I can't remember the characters' names it's escaping me right now, but um, somebody actually just got proposed to, <clears throat> and in two issues of Astonishing X Men is going to be like the first major uh, gay marriage inside of a major comic book. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be great. So, um, well. The, I, I guess they have the three big things he talked about. The Wonder Woman comments are the most benign of all of them. Right, where he's doing a graphic novel that he says will return it to its feministic and fetishistic origin. Yeah. William like, Moulton Marston, who created Wonder Woman, who is the inventor of the polygraph lie detector, <laughs> who lived with his wife and his mistress with children by both, Decided to create a comic book with a, a woman superhero to, to uh, just promote the idea of strong women mm-hmm. and then the idea of not beating the snot out of each other in every monthly issue and that submission to a better idea and thought process was a good thing. Now, he certainly had a predilection for bondage and discipline, it does seem <laughs> like. It's part oh, yeah. of some of the issues. But again, Billy Batson got tied up and Lois Lane and Robin and let's go on and on. But he picked a a very cartoony cartoonist and Harry G. Peter to be lighter in tone and it's the Etta Candy and the Holiday Girls. It's not like that. I just showed the two guys here. Does it look like it's some sort of oddball fetish book well no but no but again this is when is when is wonder woman created 1940 1940 for a, for the dc comics it's not going to be an oddball fetish book it's going to be what it is yes you but know? It's, it's it's very innocent yes so if he's going to turn it into a let, let's say a non-comedic version of empowered it's mm-hmm. not going to be good I mean, we'll have we'll have to see. We'll have to see how far he's going with the statement he's making. The now that said, let let me let me jump ahead. Okay, because <laughs> I was gonna I was like gonna giving, read the quote from. Okay, the, please go It's ahead. like giving Bob Catnip. It is. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm on now. That's it. So the last thing that he said we're gonna go over t- today is on Magneto. He said. The X-Men fans hated me because I made him into a stupid, old, drug-addicted idiot. He had started out as this sneering, grim terrorist character, so I thought, well, that's who he really is. Writer Chris Claremont had done a lot of good work over the years to redeem the character. He made him a survivor of the death camps and this noble antihero. And I went in and shit on that. It was right after 9-11, and I said, there's nothing fucking noble about this at all. Now, uh, l- let's take out all the modifiers. Chris Claremont did a lot of good work, and I went in and shit all over it. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is what's wrong with modern creators. Here we go. Right, this is, he's more of a destructor than a creator. I'll take what someone else did, spent years building up, and I'll crap all over it. Maybe he's the terrorist. Well, <laughs> he's a comic book terrorist who decides 
to, to flush somebody else's work down the drain because I don't think so. Well, yeah, because if you're going to come onto a book and write your book... No, it's about being on model. It's about doing justice to characters, not, not in his own words, shitting all over it. He and sh- I apologize for saying that word. It's all I right. Think the word was shat. He shit on... Chris Cl- Cr- he, his, in his words, shit on Chris Claremont's work. Yeah. That's, that, those are his words, too, that he uses. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not misquoting. It's But... What I will say is that, again, the thing about Grant Morrison is you're going to hire Grant Morrison to write your book, you know... He's he going to shit all he over He doesn't it. give a fuck about what came before. He's going to do what he wants to do because he thinks it's best. And that's also what's wrong with the companies. Hiring... He's a great I, writer, I, though. He's a great writer. He's a great writer. I'll, I'll pass. <laughs> he shit all over the, the Doom Patrol, too, while we're at it. And the thing is, people don't uh, like him because he changes things that they're used to. And that's, that can be for good or ill. It's not always good to change things just for the sake of changing them. It's not. But, you know, fanboys from the age of 12 to 72 will always say, I hate the same old thing. And then when something new happens, go, what the fuck? They changed the thing I like. Well, <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's what I see every day of my life. And it happens. I have the same feelings. I'm not saying I'm gone from it, but that's just what I see all the time. You know, uh, there's a, a famous quote that uh, it's, it's been on John Byrne's website a lot recently from Len Wein, who recreated the X-Men. Mm. And it's the idea that the last story you write as a pro would be the first story you'd write as a fan. Mm-hmm. You don't take a dump all over somebody else's work because you decide I can do something better. I want to see this mm-hmm. because I want to see it. It's when... The old guard changed to the new in the 70s and 80s when we went from professional comics to sort of comics writers and artists to being professional fans or fanboys who let's explain everything, let's backstory everything and retcon this and that. It's a little out of hand to me. Okay. My rant is over. This one brought to you by the AARP. <laughs> Talking you- comics where Bob Ryer calls Grant Morrison a terrorist. <laughs> I fucking love that's it. That's probably the highlight of this whole podcast. That's, no, that's the name of the podcast right there. Grant, Grant Morrison. Morrison is a comic terrorist. I'm tweeting that shit. Um, <laughs> Steve, do you have anything you want to say? I don't think so. I'm afraid. Okay. Stephanie, what about you? Do you have anything you want to say? You're awesome. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Carry on. All right. So moving on from Grant Morrison to I'm a gonna happier... Go, I'm going to go home now. A happier topic. <laughs> Stay where you are, Bob. Okay. <laughs> the new Dark Knight Rises trailer came out. Yeah, this awesome. Um, yesterday, actually, and I thought it was pretty awesome. I definitely highlighted the things that make Nolan's Batman movies what they are—the the dark, serious tone. What it what it does showed me though is that he's upping the spectacle quite a bit for this third movie. There are bigger things in that trailer than are in combined Dark Knight mm-hmm. and Batman Begins. Um, also, heavily more, a lot more Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this trailer than I really expected to see, which seems to do it that he's going to have a much bigger part in the movie than maybe we thought. Who before. is he? Who's he supposed to be? He doesn't. His name is some like d- Detective John Smith or something. You do know? You, I mean, this is supposed to be set like eight years later, nine years later. Mm-hmm. And this is this might be really stupid, but do you is there any chance that he could be Robin? The, the, yeah, yes. that's what he's hinting at. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, good. That's that is what I've thought since he got cast. Yeah, mm-hmm. same. You know, 
Because he be looks perfect. like he'd be perfect for that role. You know, well, it, it looks like in that that one uh, scene is that he's talking to, to Damien, quite possibly, or who, the, whoever's drawing these the little kids drawing yeah. with the chalk. Yeah, that he's making the Nightwing symbol. Mm-hmm. That oh maybe all right maybe that's not Damien, but um, it's definitely not Damien. Yeah, shush! <laughs> I only watched it once. Damn it! I I only needed to see it once. I think it's the Batman. Symbol. I'm pretty sure it's the Batman. Yeah. All right, she's making fun of me. I'm going to stop. But look, Roz is in this universe, so it's all possible. Yeah. And it's eight years ha! later. Well, Lazarus Pit. That's mm-hmm. what that... Yes. Mm-hmm. That Stephanie, what do you think of the trailer? So good. <laughs> so good. And you get like a little teeny tiny glimpse of Marion Cotier making out with Batman. Yeah. Well, not Batman, Bruce Wayne. Yes. But um, Catwoman, there was a lot of Catwoman. There was some yeah. fighting of her. I, I don't. I don't know how I feel about the Catwoman still, but she was kind of all sultry and yeah, much better uh, in this trailer uh, I thought than the ones I've seen <laughs> before. Much more Catwoman. Was that a purring? You talked over Stephanie purring. Yeah, right. please do that again. <laughs> oh no, I don't know if I can. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Um, yeah, we got a. I, she has a little quip at the end of the trailer, yeah. so we got a little quippiness going on there. Is he alive? I don't know. <laughs> so good. Um, Lots of Bane stuff, and we look like we're doing Broken Back. Yeah, Batman. it looks like what are the, what's going on. It, Gotham's reckoning. <laughs> and we can hear what he says this time. More understandable, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, really cool music. They did a really good job in the trailer of taking away sound effects for really big moments. You know, there's some hu- If you guys haven't watched it, you guys need to check it out. But it, it's a great trailer. It, um, it got me really excited. Not that I wasn't already excited mm-hmm. before, because he has... He has never given me a reason to not believe in him as a filmmaker. Ooh. And well, the Batmobile at the end. Yeah, this is not yeah. a car. <laughs> <laughs> and her line before. Yeah. His mother warned me not to get into cars with strangers. Yeah. I also, I think that the kind of the two times you get to hear his Batman voice, it's not as ridiculous as it was in the last movie. I'm still not thrilled with his cowl. Oh, yeah, because he looks kind of like a mushroom head yeah. going at the, 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 above his cheekbones. Yeah. It's just not quite right, but that's yeah. all right. Yeah. Minor point. Yeah, there are, there are much worse ways you could screw it up than the yeah. cow being a little off. <laughs> could have given it nipples. You could have given it nipples. Oh, <laughs> let's not go there again. Yeah, and like a Batmobile it, with it crazy colors. So good. It does. It looks so good. The fluorescent lights at the bottom of the Batmobile. Yes, exactly. Boom, boom, boom. boom. <laughs> Don't leave the cave without it. Yeah. <laughs> express bat card. Oh um, God! I almost forgot about that. Yeah, and they this, also like they sorry. almost kind of hint that um, both Bane and Catwoman will know who Batman is. Like, Ooh, um, there's a couple yes. times where they see him without his mask, and yeah, and it does seem like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is talking to Selena Kyle in a couple of yep. those scenes. So that's interesting too. Like, who is he that he's talking to this cat burglar person? You know. Mm. So it should be interesting. Or who is she in in normal life in right. this, in this well, Christopher Nolan movie? So it did say that she was going to be a stripper-esque Catwoman. Oh yeah, like in real life. You mean she's gonna be a stripper? Yeah. Well, they're playing on um. On, I think that they're playing on the year one, uh, Selena Kyle, where she's gonna be not a pros. Wait, was she a prostitute in year one? She was yes. a prostitute in year one. I, yeah. I think she's actually gonna be a stripper. I think that's what oh, okay. uh, early rumors were saying about her. Gotcha. And that's where uh, Juno Temple's character is coming into play. She's gonna play um the ward. Uh, or, well, her sort of like little ward. Um, Holly oh, Robinson. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Interesting. That's interesting. So, that's what I've heard. I think obviously she's not going to be a prostitute, but I think that they're downplaying that too. Stripper. What if she's like an escort? Could be. Could be. You know, she is at that party. Yeah. 
you know. Um, explain Joseph Gordon-Levitt. You know, he sees her every night. Hey. 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 <laughs> and see, so th- did this affirm or dissuade you from your pick of, if I could see one superhero movie this year, it would be The Dark Knight Rises. I am still Dark Knight Rises all the way. The trailer just made it that much more so. Mm-hmm. I'm super, super, super excited for Avengers. And I do agree that it's a, you know, a good team movie. Mm-hmm. It's going to be colorful. It's going to mm-hmm. be a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. But... Batman is Batman mm-hmm. for me, and the Nolan movies have hit every time. Mm-hmm. And it just, I, I watched that trailer and I, I squealed. Nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an awesome trailer. So absolutely, absolutely check it out. And next time you hear from us, we'll have seen the Avengers. So we'll be able to talk <gasps> about it. We're going to do a special show on, on Saturday. So yes. Yes, that will be happening. There'll still be popcorn in my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so um, speaking of the Avengers. Bob, your book of the week this week is Secret Avengers number 26. There you go. <laughs> I can't even read. We need more light here. Uh, it's Rick Remender, and I, here's a name I'm going to blow, I think, but let's try it. Renato Gatis? I would say Gettys, but I don't know. Uh, yeah. U-E in Spanish. I'm yeah. thinking Renato being Spanish. Okay. Anyway, um, it's the away team. We're, mm. we're going to go out into space and take care of the Phoenix Force on its way, try to stop it before it gets here. We open with a wonderful little flashback to X-Men 136 and, and Hank McCoy remembering what it was like to have the Phoenix at full force take out an entire team of X-Men. Mm-hmm. And his um, trepidations about what's going to happen. that They may not come back from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get... Lovely pre-battle things. Captain Britain, Hank McCoy, Thor, who's just, he's a yeah. warrior, but I need some grog. I need to take care of this. We need to do this. There's some liquid courage. That was the book thing. where he was walking around drunk, right? Yeah. yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we, we end up with, I don't know if everyone's read, so we have to be very spoiler conscious here. Mm-hmm. There's some very deep, old Marvel Universe stuff going on here. Lots of Kree. We're at the Kree homeworld after... Uh, a not successful battle. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, they end up having to lick their wounds back on the Kree homeworld. We see the Supreme Intelligence and some other backstage stuff that's going to lead to some really neat things going on. Uh, I know, Bobby, you read and were of mixed feelings because just not having... They didn't give you enough to understand what was happening, I guess. Here. Right. You know, a lot of it for me was expectation versus delivery. Okay. I was really excited for the, you know, team goes out into space. They're on a suicide mission. They've got to figure out what they're going to do to stop this thing. It's, but there's really no chance of them doing it. Of course, with the heroes that comprise this team, it's not really going to be a suicide mission because mm-hmm. Thor's not going to die yes. again. This soon He died not that long ago in the Marvel Universe. So... Um, but uh, what, and I was excited for that simple story, I guess. Knowing Rick Remender, I should have known that it was not going to stay a simple story. Yes. It was going to transition yeah. to something much more complicated. And my problem was not that I didn't feel like the, the, the kind of turn the story takes was good. It just, I felt out of my depth reading it because mm-hmm. it was all this stuff that I only know. And I think knowing sort of sideline knowledge of it actually hurt me a little bit because I felt like I should have understood more of it, and I was kind of grasping for stuff, and I didn't. So that stuff, I guess, is what weighed it down a little bit for me. I loved the opening sequence when they're all in the kind of spaceship together talking and bickering. I like the difference in the characters. I like you know, the drama between Hank McCoy and uh, Captain Britain, Britain 
and the diff- how they all handle this really stressful situation. I guess what I was hoping for, and again, I, don't, I would take this as not so much a valid criticism, but more as if you were thinking about it the same way I was thinking about it. I was hoping for almost like that deep space sci-fi movie feel. Mm-hmm. You know, like Sunshine or 2001 or Solaris. You know, that's what I thought we were going to get. You know, these people struggling to... And when it opened the way it did, that's what I thought we were getting. That's where you're heading. You know? But he, he, when he makes that left turn, mm-hmm. um, I, I agree with you in that there isn't enough setup for those who weren't reading the Kree Skull War FF64 and 65 mm-hmm. years and years ago. You don't quite... Right. S- once you get there, it's a nice little term, but you don't understand the ramifications. Exactly. And that was my problem. I didn't understand the greater context of what was mm-hmm. happening. I, I, I will say, I think it was also set up in Avengers, the last Avengers book, the, the, um, because the end of that book is the Defender speaking to the Kree intelligence or yes. whatever. So this is a le- tie-in between those two things. So it, 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 the issue with, I also have with it is it's an event within an event almost. Because now Avengers mm-hmm. is tying into Secret Avengers, which ties into Avengers versus X-Men. Which will now tie into something that comes out in July. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is kind of the labyrinth that I feel like I'm in right now. And Secret Avengers is one of the books I think I'm going to keep buying because I do like the way Rick Remender writes. It's interesting because he there are big acting scenes that happen here. Yeah, and he that. kind of downplays them because they're all about dialogue in a, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And, about, and that's okay, you know, but... Uh, I want to have a little emphasis on Thor you know, swinging his hammer at the Phoenix Force, right. you know, which is a really awesome moment. Right. But it's kind of in a half, it's not even, it's like a fourth of a page panel. Yeah, quarter panel, yeah. Like, you know, I sometimes I think splash pages are overused, but in that situation, I want to see a big ass page of Thor swinging his right. hammer at the Phoenix Force. I was so happy with the smaller aspects of this issue. Mm-hmm. So we, I think we're both. We both liked it. I yeah. loved it. You're right. kind of wanting more. You wanted more of the other. Yeah. Now, I will say this. Much like Fantastic Four 600, where I felt out of my depth reading it a little bit, I had that same feeling where it says I want to keep reading it because the stuff that I don't know about, I would like to know about. Yeah, so there's I, I that. I think you will, you will get that picked up as we start yeah. to move deeper into because we. I, I Sorry, people. We can't say anything. <laughs> Is going to get even. Speaking of Fantastic Four, just briefly, I want to touch on uh, Future Foundation 15. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Which is spectacular. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's uh, Johnny Storm and Peter Parker become roommates, and uh, nothing more <laughs> needs to be said. It's Jonathan Hickman. It's hysterically it's funny. It's very funny. It's great. The, the last couple of weeks, there have been a bunch of Spider Man books that have kind of been these like one shot kind of side story things mm-hmm. I think have worked out really well. And, um, Lastly, I just uh, Avengers X Men versus ah, which I just want to talk about really quick. Yes. I don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, we already fought this one out. What's the voting going like? I, I don't think we've got any votes. Uh, oh, I'll have to start voting for myself tomorrow. The interesting, we, Bob and I did dueling reviews, kind of <laughs> Avengers uh, X Men versus. Now, if anybody knows what this is, it's it's this book basically takes the big battles of Avengers versus X Men and does issues dedicated to two of them. So this first issue was Magneto versus Iron Man and Namor versus the thing. Mm -hmm. And the book tells you flat out when it starts, if you're looking for character development, if you're looking for pathos, go somewhere else. This book is about fights and that's it. Yeah, that was pretty funny. You know, like, and so, and my review I wrote about it was, is how do you really criticize something? Do you criticize it on what it could be, what it should be, or by succeeding on what it sets out to do? 
because I think that Avengers versus X Men versus does what it sets out to do. Like it sets out to be a crazy battle book, and I think except for possibly having the two stories swapped, which I think would have been a better order for the stories. Okay. Um, I, I think Thing versus Namor should have been first, followed up by Iron Man versus Magneto. Just because I think Iron Man versus Magneto is the more clever, more um, inclusive story, because that story at least has some connection to the rest of the, yeah. the universe. You, you get that, as I pointed in my review, there's that lovely little thought balloon. Yeah. Which we're not, I'm not going to say anything about either, right. that sets up something, that, so that should be near the end of the issue. So that's what I thought. I felt like I, I, I finished reading the Magneto story. And I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. It's so much fun, so clever. They do all these crazy stuff. And then there was the thing, Namor Battle, which was a lot of fun and had some really cool stuff happening, but just felt like the opening bout mm-hmm. and not the headliner. Art in both is very good. Oh, yeah, the art's story, awesome. Story for what they are are good, though mm-hmm. there I have two quibbles. Yeah, of course. Thing and the Submariner are equal on land, mm-hmm. according to all old Marvel history. <laughs> Underwater... Not close. <laughs> Not close at all. So the ending of that, mm-hmm. ridiculous. Right, okay. And I'm a Ben Grimm fan. That's just crazy. Right. Iron Man, okay, I did the math. It takes 45 minutes at the speed of light for something to get from Jupiter to here. Mm-hmm. So how does he do what he does? I don't know. Okay. I don't well, care. It's really cool. Uh, <laughs> I think about crap like that. So that's just an issue. But it, I, I, again, I think you were slightly above the midline, mm-hmm. me slightly below. Mm-hmm. Didn't hate it. There's a way to do that. And I pointed out in my review, the, the Avengers Defenders thing, where you manage to have within a battle sequence, captions and balloons that sort of said who these people are and why. And and. Grant, granted, this isn't the stated goal of this. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, you want that from it, but uh, I think if you pick up that book in the store and you read that first, the, even the title page, mm-hmm. you read that title page, and then you, and then after you read that title page, you read the book and go, oh, I wish there had been more character development. Then you're kind of, the book is telling you on Front Street, this is not what this book is about. You could still slip me some. But that's not what the book is about. You could still slip me some. Next. <laughs> Moving on. Did you read it, Steve? Yeah, I read it. What'd you think? Um, I liked the Iron Man and Magneto battle mm-hmm. a lot more than the yeah. uh, Submariner and the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that, I, I mean, I, yeah, I guess you could have reversed them. I still don't think that that would have made the Submariner and, and the thing battle any more interesting okay. for me personally. Okay. Um, I like the thing, especially since catching up with Fantastic Four, Ooh. uh, over the past few days, but, um, it's just wasn't as exciting mm-hmm. for me like mm-hmm. the the iron man magneto battle i felt like there was more at stake mm-hmm. there was a it was a lot more the dialogue was much much more clever yeah uh the gadgets were neater yeah and just the just the the two of them together the stakes seemed higher the mm-hmm. submariner versus thing seemed like a really strange pairing mm-hmm. to me i don't know much about the submariner but They've been fighting for like 60 years. Oh, well, he, I, he, I, yeah. he returns to the Marvel Universe in FF4. Okay. <laughs> I, well, I see. I, I didn't age, know that. So, yeah. yeah. So, that to me, that seemed really out of place. But to anybody that's been paying attention, mm-hmm. they probably were like, oh, my God. And I'm just like. Sue had a crush on him. Ah. <laughs> Very interesting. Mm. Yeah. Stephanie, did you take a gander at this one? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's all right. It's all right. Um, why don't you tell us about your book of the week, though, since you have been a little quiet? Well, pardon me, sorry? I said, why don't you 
Tell us about your book of the week. Oh, well, why don't I? (laughs) Um, So up until about five minutes before the podcast, I was going to talk about Jonathan Hickman's uh, secret number one. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm sorry, I was. But um, a super fancy friend of mine uh, told me about Mark Wade's new webcomic, Insufferable Number One. Mm -hmm. Um, And bear with me, people. I'm kind of sick, so if I kind of hack and cough a little bit, I'm really sorry. Um, Anyways, so as I said, it's written by Mark Wade and it's illustrated by uh, Peter Krauss. Um, So I I hadn't heard anything about this, um, again, until just before the podcast. And basically... It's going to be available on thrillbent.com. Um, you can click on it, Insufferable. It's there now. Um, and it's a superhero story that takes a kind of different approach to it. Um, there's sort of two, I guess, dueling superheroes in, it, like, I, in one city where they're sort of vying for the people's affections. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, basically there's... It starts out with this criminal who has um, devised a sinister plan. And, uh, sinister. They're sinister. always sinister. I know. They always are. And um, <clears throat> basically, you know, it's uh, who's going to save this little girl from this evil criminal mastermind who may or may not be quite the mastermind he thinks he is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but what it boils down to in the end is everything's not quite as it seems. Um, these two superheroes just have a lot more to them than what meets the eye. And, uh, you know, it, it's this it's a really interesting take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Bobby also had a chance to read it, I believe. And yes, uh, I did. it's it's I think the most interesting part for me um, was actually reading it on the website because they lay it out really, really interestingly to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Um, and I, I guess you kind of just have to see it for yourself to understand. But uh, Bobby, what did you think of it? I thought it was very good. And it, it's laid out a lot like the Marvel um, Infinite Comics number one was, the uh, the Nova mm-hmm. story that Mark Wade wrote as well, where it takes advantage of the fact that there's technology at work here. So... Um, like uh, perspectives can shift, panels can come in at different, you know, intervals. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the beginning of the story is this supervillain is tapping on a camera, like a to a web camera to get himself on this web stream, and it starts out with a panel of it all fuzzy, and you click the next, and it just dissolves away, and he's like, oh, okay, there we go. Yeah, so this will make use of it if you're going to be on technological mediums. Exactly, um, and I like the they have like a log line at the bottom below the comic which says. What happens when you're a crime fighter and your sidekick grows up to be an arrogant, ungrateful douchebag? <laughs> what on earth could draw the two of you back together again? So Insufferable, you know, is dealing with this this hero, the sidekick who has become the main hero. And, you know, he, he, he kind of, his name is uh, Galahad. And he kind of trumpets the fact that crime's been down since he's been this top superhero. You know, he, he struck out on his own. But it turns out, you've seen this comic, that he basically steals um, a, a win from his former mentor. Former mentor gets uh-huh. there first, and this guy kind of says, you know, well, let's save her together, and then takes the credit for himself. So it's an interesting story, and Mark Wade is, he has a, a style of writing that is very snappy and um, feels very important, and he does a good job of breaking down 
kind of superhero conventions and writing interesting people who aren't always maybe the most um, nice people in the entire world, but they have something about them that makes them a little bit more, you know? Absolutely. It almost uh, kind of reminded me of like Dr. Horrible in a way. Yeah, that's a good, that's actually not a bad comparison. Yeah. Except they're both supposed to be, you know, good guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, he is a little bit like Captain Hammer. <laughs> um, the no, hammer it, is my penis. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool. Everybody check it out on thrillbent.com. It's free to read. So, and it, it was a really enjoyable read. It won't take you very long at all. It, it, it's pretty short. Um, and even if you don't necessarily like it, if you have any interest in like comics at all, it's just a really cool layout. Like it's just yeah. so neat. And if you make web comics and they're not as cool as this, <laughs> fix that. <laughs> <laughs> or not, you know. But <laughs> Absolutely anyways. right. You're right. Um, <laughs> anything else you want to say about it, Stephanie? It was super spiffy. I want to read number two like now. And number two comes out on May 9th. So it's only yes. a week away. A all right. Week. All right, so that's um, Insufferable Number One. You can find that on thrillbent.com. Um, Steve, what's your book of the week? Uh, my book of the week was actually um, I've been collecting Spaceman by Vertigo for a while. <laughs> and uh, were you laughing at me? No, <laughs> you said Spaceman, and all I could think of was Dr. Spichemin. It's a 30 Rock joke. <laughs> okay, it's a 30 Rock joke. Um, one of our uh, Twitter followers. Uh, had recommended it, or he said, like, I asked, what we, what was your favorite book of the week? And he said, Spaceman. And I was like, oh, it was like, you know, I've had that forever. That was actually uh, Smar Triple X uh, was the one that, that had recommended that. So I figured I'd sit down and check it out. Um, I've had one through six for the last couple of weeks. Let's sit down. So uh, it's by Brian Azzarello with art by Eduardo Riso. And it's fucking awesome. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm not going to talk about one specific issue. I'm just going to give you the setup for the series and then I'm going to go away. Um, man genetically altered uh, apes in order to be shot into space and explore Mars. When they were up there, something happens that years in the future causes um, like an apocalypse of some kind. The, the, the world is ruined. It's turned into this almost like a think of it like a like a New Orleans Cajun ghetto kind of situation. Um, the one particular thing about this book that really really um, like warmed to me was I like books that create their own dialects. Something where you kind of have to read an issue or two to get mm -hmm. used to the way people talk. Um, like instead of. Um, we would say, like, I don't know, some people say, like, I say word sometimes when I'm talking to people. <laughs> right. Um, or what, they would say the word say. So it would constantly be coming up, or instead mm -hmm. of thinking, you're braining something. Um, and all these little ticks and quirks and all these little things in the language that made it something kind of challenging at first, but then really enjoyable to kind of figure out, like, you're learning, like, a whole, the language of these people. Mm -hmm. And as it gets, as you go on in the issues, it gets easier and easier to to use it mm -hmm. and to read it. That like over the weekend, I kind of found myself like using a word or two, <laughs> and was was my friends were a little concerned that I might have hit my head. But anyway, so these uh, these ape these genetically altered uh, apes they changed everything. And what's going on back on Earth 
is the think of like John and Kate plus eight television show. There's a reality television show that's going on to entertain the masses that are stuck in this like shitty situation. Mm -hmm. And one of their children goes missing. And one of the apes that came back from this mission to Mars, he ends up um, finding the child Mm -hmm. and protecting her Mm -hmm. from like people know that she's missing because the the parents came onto TV and they're like, you know, our daughter, she's missing. Mm-hmm. We right, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And so you have all these like seedy, nasty people coming out from the sewers and from the ghetto and they're all out together. They're not out to rescue her. They're out to hold her for ransom. Mm-hmm. And you have this, his name is Orson. You have this simple-minded, like Neanderthalish man looking after her beating the crap out of people, you know, jumping over rooftops and stuff like that. Um, the thing about it is that the book, why it was my favorite book, it was the book that I read, aside from catching up on Fantastic Four, which I was discussing with Bob earlier, was amazing. <coughs> it was the book that, to me, had the most personality mm-hmm. that I read. And it, it just, it struck me there's only, uh, it's a nine-issue run. It's six issues in so far. Um, if you like quirky, like, post-apocalyptic situations... You really can't go wrong. Brian Azzarello does a really great job. Um, he's writing Wonder Woman right now, mm-hmm. the DC 52, amongst many other things. And um, it's really, it's cool. It's different. It's it's something that would be, would belong to Off the Beaten Path, but is, you know, a little bit more in the forefront than mm-hmm. usual. Um, I strongly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds like a really good straight sci-fi kind of piece. It is. It's very, very sci-fi. The art is very, very cool. And um, it's just, it's got, it's got a good vibe to it. It's got a very um, like broken world kind of vibe that you're, you know, you're rooting for this, like that underdog tone with the, you know, with the Orson and, and the little sure. girl and she's completely with it. She's like, she's down with, for the caper that they're trying to pull. <laughs> they're trying to get her back to her family a specific way. And they still haven't revealed to you exactly what happened while they were on Mars, but they keep flashing back to it. Mm. And you get a little bit more of the story each time. It's very like Kubrick, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 2000, 2001 kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's very cool. I think, uh, I, I, I think it's awesome. So excellent. Sweet. Yeah. Um, I'll finish up book of the week by talking about a book from surprise, Scott Snyder. Ooh. Um, cause we don't, Ooh. we don't talk about Scott Snyder at all on the show. So I think we, we give him a little bit more, of love. Yeah. Um, it's American Vampire number 26, and I'm a little behind, actually, on American Vampire. I've been reading the volumes, but um, this week on Twitter, Scott Snyder tweeted that this this issue of American Vampire was basically like a number one. It was the start of a new arc, new character, so you could start reading from here without having known anything before. So I decided um, for the first time ever I'd be picking up my a monthly American Vampire, so I did that, and it really is pretty fantastic. It's... You know, like the other American Vampire books, it's a period piece. And this is, you know, civil rights time. Um, we have a, a new character named Calvin. And what it does well is what all of this stuff does well, which is that it incorporates um, kind of big, big things happening, but is very focused on the little stuff, on who this person is, what he's dealing with. You know, um, it, it paints a really good world-building picture of the place where he's living at the time. You know, you you feel Absolutely. where this guy is. You can you feel 
you know, all the nooks and crannies and you feel the oppression that's happening there. Um, and it also does a wonderful job of doing, you know, internal monologue. So you get to know this person much quicker than you would if it was all done in, you know, back and forth dialogue. Sure. Um, Bob, you, you, you read it. What yeah, did you think? I, just what you're talking about, mm-hmm. it's that film noir thing. It, it's mm-hmm. the voiceover. But in this case, it's done with captions. Mm-hmm. So it is dense with captions yeah. as you you learn about him within the first seven or eight pages all you're going to need to know probably for however long this is going to run mm-hmm. and even that said though as he starts to encounter other people here mm-hmm. his old bandmates apparently which yeah. turns into something else it's about a it's a southern town where there's a mixed ethnicity doo-wop group coming to mm-hmm. play and sing which was not a really great thing to be in 54 right, yeah. Southern America. Yeah. And he's encountering some of that, but there are some people who turn everything on their heads. Yeah. And <clears throat> I will just leave it at that. Yeah. It's just really, really well done. Five or six really great characters, and to, to introduce that many in one book, yeah, just very well done. Steve, did you get a shot? No, unfortunately, I've only read um, the first volume of mm-hmm. American Vampire. Loved it, but uh, that's that's about the end of it for me <laughs> um and the art is not done by Raphael albuquerque in this book it's roger cruz um it's sort of albuquerque in style um it's a little less extreme with kind of the thick lines and stuff but it's still beautiful to look at and there's some great um pages a great couple of splash pages too yes. and um like all of you know all great writing it leads you to believe it's going a certain way and then flips it on you at the last minute yeah. and it's just a great book. And again, the reason I'm really talking about it is because as somebody who's only read the first volume of American Vampire, you can pick up this book and read it. Um, it's no longer dealing with Skinner Sweet, who was the main character in, in the other volumes. So pick this up. If you want to get into American Vampire and you've been waiting or you're trying to catch up, this is a good place to jump on. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Stephanie, did you? I haven't. I have only read the first volume, but um, I believe it was one of my first books of the week and I do love it. I would like to check it out. Just haven't had a chance to yet. All right. So um, we are going to take a little break and we're going to come back and we're going to rank the Marvel movies leading into the Avengers. Ta-ta-ta. Well, we are back, and The Avengers is out on Friday. I haven't heard. You haven't heard? It's no. a little movie. I don't know. Um, little studio producing it. Oh. A very unknown cast of both characters and actors. Is it going to be playing anywhere, or we have to go to like an art house? I think there's one. art house. I think just at the oh, Cinemark okay. Center, and um, it's a very inside joke. Straight to DVD. Straight to DVD. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but with the movie coming out, um, I figured we'd take a look back at the Marvel Universe of movies which kicked off with Iron Man uh, a few years ago, and kind of break it down and rank what we think are the best. Now, we each can have our own individual lists, but we're not going to leave this room until we have a Talking Comic Books list. Getting my pen out for the fighting. Um, now, this could either go one or two days. It could either be what I hope it's going to be, which is a great little debate, or we're going to agree right away, and it's going to be kind of boring, but... Um, so the movies we're going to be talking about here are obviously Iron Man and Iron Man 2, um, The Incredible Hulk, Captain America, and Thor 
Oh, I have the Dolph Lundgren Punisher at number one. I'm going to have to take that <laughs> yeah, out. You're going to have to X that one out. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, we'll go around and do each of our rankings first, and then we'll kind of we'll suss it out here. We'll go with and uh, I don't know about everybody else's rankings, but. You know, I can be swayed if, if an argument is made. So here we go. I have seen that happen. Yes, it has happened before. So my list goes like this. Number one, Iron Man. Number two, Captain America. Number three, Thor. Number four, Hulk. And number five, Iron Man 2. Those are my... That's my list. Okay. Stephanie, what about you? Um, mine is Captain America. Okay. Thor. Ooh. Iron Man. Iron Man 2, and then the Hulk. Okay, Incredible Hulk. Just everybody knows we're not talking well, about the yeah, Ang Lee. Well, yeah, sorry. The Incredible Hulk. I said Hulk, too, so it's okay. I just uh, want to make sure everybody uh, knows we're not talking yeah. about the Ang Lee Hulk. No, that's... Off the table. One, yeah. Steve. I can't believe I'm going to say this. Uh, Iron Man for okay. number one. Captain America, number two. Thor, number three. Ooh. Iron Man, number two. And the Incredible Hulk. Ooh. So far, we all agree mm. that that's the worst. No, I said I liked... The Iron Man 2, the least. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> uh, Iron Man 1, 1. Okay. Cap 2, Hulk 3, Thor 4, Iron Man 2, 5. Okay. All right. So we have a almost consensus. <laughs> right. So let's, let's figure out the... Let's start from the bottom. Let's start with number five here. All right. So I, who has Iron Man 2? I have Iron Man 2 as the worst. I have Iron Man 2 as the worst. I could possibly be swayed for that, but I'm not sure. So you, uh, so you have what as the worst? Hulk? The Incredible Hulk. Hulk. And Stephanie, Me as well. You have Incredible Hulk. So we have two and two here. Okay. Um, well, let's, let's start opening arguments here. Okay. Now, I just watched Iron Man 2 before I got here. Okay. So Bob. And it isn't as awful as I remember. I really remember it having tremendous tonal problems, and mm-hmm. I still think it has it. It needs the alternate end, the beginning rather, to help it out where you see Tony drunk already. Because that whole thing at the, at this whole disco y scene with, <laughs> no, it just doesn't work. <laughs> and I'm tired. I don't want to see another armored villain. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. Problem. Yeah. Um, it, there's a drama in there that is played more as a comedy. And mm. that's where I think it, it fails. Now, for me, the Hulk, if we're, 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 right. I'll, I'll go outwards instead of inwards here, um, particularly coming off the Ang Lee one, mm-hmm. this was a huge step forward. Mm-hmm. You really saw the pathos in, in the Bruce Banner character. You had a lot of things going on. Uh, great battle sequence at the end. Better stuff with Betty and General Ross. I don't know. What do you? What do you? What are we thinking well, here, Bobby? If well, we're comparing anything to the Ang Lee okay. one, I mean, anything can be good compared to that. Yeah. Okay. We're comparing this to the other Marvel movies. I, to, I to know, be fair. but okay. I'm just saying, yeah. in not just these movies, but if you're comparing any movie, right. you can make it good. So, Stephanie, your bottom two was Iron Man two, and then the Hulk, Incredible Hulk. Yes. So, Hulk why would you put Incredible Hulk last below Iron Man two? Um, I tried to watch The Incredible Hulk um, a couple weeks ago, and I'm pretty sure I even had a couple beers, and even that didn't make it enjoyable. So, <laughs> I mean, I was just like, why? What is this movie? Oh, why am I watching this? Like, again, it's just so stupid. It's just so bad. <laughs> what, but what hit you as either inappropriate or not germane to the character? Well, I mean, I like Ed Norton as, in the role. Um, I... I I don't know about what Mark Ruffalo will do with the role, but I mean, I was kind of hoping he would come back, but um, I, I just didn't think that the movie was very like, compelling. It didn't hold my interest very well. Like the, the graphics were just 
so terrible. Like it was just so laughable. And um, I, I just generally didn't feel anything for anyone in the movie. They're all just so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they just have, they just do the most ridiculous things. And then you kind of are expected to be like, Oh, muffin. And I don't care. <laughs> I don't have any sympathy for you people. Use your common sense. Well, I would have thought that Bruce Banner here did. He tried to be as far away as possible as he mm. could, ending up in Bolivia, I guess it is. He was, I think it was Bolivia, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Steve, what about you? Um, I think Incredible Hulk would be, although it, uh, Iron Man 2 is a very strong argument, but my thing with Incredible Hulk is that I just watched all of the movies mm-hmm. uh, in the past like week and a half, and... I was doing a lot. I was organizing comics. I was doing a lot of stuff while I was watching them because I've seen them before. But um, every time that I got up to like go make a drink or go get something to eat or whatever, I would pause the movies mm-hmm. and I would come back. The Incredible Hulk was the only one that like I got up to go do something and was like, eh. <laughs> and um, <coughs> I have to disagree. I really didn't. I didn't care for Edward Norton in the role okay. of Bruce Banner. Um, and this is gonna this is gonna be real. I mean, I like him. Fight Club is one of my favorite films. Um, it's his voice. <laughs> it's his voice. He's got this like soft, almost like lispy kind of voice to him. Some kind of quality to it, where it's very almost like he's in a library, <laughs> and he's very he's very hush. And that just doesn't strike even in without the Hulk persona. It doesn't strike me as the Banner persona. Like I more scientific. He didn't come off as scientific for me. He came off as like weak. Mm-hmm. Like when he's not this raging, ridiculous Hulk, he's right. like this wimp. Right. You know? And um just the events of the movie. Um Liv Tyler whispering through the whole movie and every scene looks like she's gonna cry. All she, the time, she always looks like she's gonna cry at every movie. Yeah, she's but in. she looked yeah, like I remember her that from one scene from Armageddon. Yeah, <laughs> like my no, not with daddy. the at not the one with the animal crackers. No, well, not that I have a favorite Liv Tyler movie or anything, but that thing you do, mm-hmm. I thought she was great in that. Mm-hmm. Like that role for her, that was that was perfect for her. Empire Records. Yeah, <laughs> this was a little bit too uh, more on the emotional mm-hmm. end of things that she needed to really like. She's like no. And I'm like, I don't buy it. <laughs> um, I just didn't think the stakes were high enough. Okay. And and uh, I didn't I didn't enjoy watching the whole kind of my problem with Iron Man 2. I'm sick and tired of seeing these characters fight characters that are just like them. Oh, so okay. like Abomination sure. versus the Hulk. I know it's a classic setup, but it's just it, big hulking beast versus big hulking beast. Right. It's like uh, trying to fight Shadow Link and Zelda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that while I agree with you on the Iron Man thing, because they've done that in two movies, um, they needed to do the Abomination Battle at the end of the Incredible Hulk because that was people's biggest complaint about the Hulk was that he had nobody to fight. Yeah. You know, he was fighting the army or he was fighting le- electricity Nick Nolte monster <laughs> or whatever the. Got to fight in your weight class, kind of. And I really like. I think I really like that scene. I really like the whole battle scene. I think it's really cool. And it's fun, but yeah. I just didn't care. That's all I want from it. Like the, of the battle scenes of. I mean, we're talking about the Marvel movies. We're not just talking yeah. about the Hulk. Right. No. Of the Marvel movies, of the big battles, 
that to me was I was like, all right, right through a wall, mm-hmm. smash him in the face, blah blah blah. Like it just didn't. It just didn't do it for me. I got you. True story. That scene was totally filmed up the street from where I worked at the local strip club, Zanzibar. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I worked like a block from there. <laughs> Strippers everywhere. Hey, hey. And um, but I will. What I will say is the only reason that I had Hulk above Iron Man two is that. Now I don't dislike any of these movies. I actually kind of like Iron Man two. I like oh, Iron Man two agreed. for its character stuff. I think that everybody in the movie is very good. I don't think there's a weak like actor. Pepper Potts. And I don't think she's nah, that, her stuff was great. with Tony in that is really good. I so. like I like her so much. I think she's great. She's awesome. I think Mickey Rourke is is awesome in yeah. it. I think his character is stupid, but <laughs> I think Mickey yeah. Rourke as an actor, he plays whatever he's playing there really well. I really like Sam Rockwell as kind yep. of the bizarro Tony Stark, yeah. as Justin Hammer as like the less brilliant Tony Stark. I, I really like that the a lot. Has to steal instead of invent. Yeah. And I think that Don Cheadle is so much better as Colonel Rhodes oh, than Terrence Howard. I think Terrence Howard is a really great actor, but Terrence Howard is one of the most soft-spoken people in the entire world, and I would never believe that he was a military colonel. You know, mm. I believe Don Cheadle is a military mm-hmm. colonel, and I think he's I think he's great as War Machine. Um, and the, the truth is, it, it's funny. I, I kind of like Iron Man 2 more than I like the Hulk, but the Incredible Hulk, it's just that I felt like when I was watching Iron Man 2 that I was watching a lot of stuff I'd already watched, you know? Uh, yeah, totally. And that's yeah. the main reason it's, Iron Man 2 is the last in this list for me. It's not because I think it's the worst of the movies, because I probably think Incredible Hulk as an entire movie, and especially as it fits into the Marvel Universe of movies, is probably the weakest link in a lot of ways because it has the least to do with what's going to happen here going forward. It's got, like, what, two nods? Probably, and it's also, like, I-, I think that they were developing that movie before they kind of had this idea in their heads, you know? Yeah, supposedly the post credit sequence, too, is you can almost dismiss now, they're yeah. saying. Yeah, well, that's what Kevin Feige said. He said it was the only scene that they almost got caught up, like they got themselves tied in a knot about because it didn't work with what they were doing. Um, the only reason I put Iron Man 2 last is because it repeats stuff, you know, and I, I was, I do kind of agree with you, Bob, that seeing The Incredible Hulk at least was a relief to me that they got it semi-right. I think that the battle with the um, the Hulkbuster tanks, I think, is is really fun, and I like Emil Blonsky yeah. before he turns in the Abomination when he's just on, like, the Super Soldier Serum when he's just kind of basically Captain America doing whatever he's doing. And stand there looking like in his navel just before he's about to get stumped. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I like that stuff a lot. But I do understand why... To me, it was the least technically impressive of the Marvel movies, Incredible Hulk. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, Steve, you put it kind of best, where I do think you're right. It doesn't have the stakes to me of the other movies. Yeah. Yeah. I think emotionally, though, Edward Norton's character, the depth of it. I mean, I really felt that he had that sort of haunted quality that I want to see with Bruce Banner, who's supposed to be milksop scientist, to quote Thunderbolt Ross from the beginning. He was never Tony Stark or Reed Richards. He was this guy who happened to be really good at gamma bombs, who something went horribly wrong, and he was never any different after that, or at least wasn't in the classic era. Right, but I mean, I don't. I think more to Steve's point is, I didn't even feel like my thing with Edward Norton in the movie is, I don't feel like Edward Norton's a genius watching him in that movie. Yeah. You know, I feel like to, mm-hmm. like he doesn't need to be Tony Stark. He doesn't need to be flamboyant and extravagant. But there's no doubt in your mind during either one of those Iron Man movies that Tony Stark is the smartest guy in the room. 
you know? Okay. And Bruce should also be the smartest guy in the room. He's different, you know, but he's not... I just felt like he, Edward Norton was doing his Edward Norton thing, which is fine, but it wasn't what I wanted. Also, the problem with Incredible Hulk is, and I think they've, I heard they fixed it in the Avengers, it's really tough to watch a movie about a guy who doesn't want to be there. You know? Like, the whole movie, he's kind of like, I don't want to do this. That's, that's what all, yeah. it, the first two Hulk movies are all about. You know? Except when you get to the end. Right. Yes. He knows he has to fix what's gone wrong because of something he did, sort of. He yes. I agree with you on that point. Takes himself out. I agree essence. with you on that point. But I do think that um, there's that end moment, and I hope that carries over into what we're going to see now. It's just most, and I think all the humor in Incredible Hulk falls flat. I think all the times he's trying to be like pithy. And yeah. stuff, it, it, it falls flat. You were going to say something? Yeah, one of the things that bothered me when I was watching the movie is that first scene when he transforms in like that boiler room mm-hmm. looking place, they hide him. Yeah. They hide him in shadows. Every opportunity that they, that they get. That, to me, is unnecessary. You paid to see the Hulk. Let's, see, the first time you're going to show him, show him. Like, that's like a classic movie deal to hide the monster mm-hmm. in the shadows. Yeah. There's no reason to hide the Hulk. Except for the fact that the CG's terrible. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's still tough to do CGI of a living, breathing. Yeah, I just I just camera. I just thought it was weird. Like I was watching because I'd seen it before, and this was only the second time I was watching <laughs> it, but I was like, why are they covering him with mist and you know, uh, staircases and giant tanks like Let's see. I mean, you spend half of that scene watching a tank careen down a hallway and smash into something with him behind it. You don't even really get to see him. Yeah, but you can see a lot more of him as the movie goes on. Yeah. You, you have two, yeah. two humongous action sequences with that character. Later I just don't. Daylight yeah, but it's, it's yeah. not like it's a character that, like, it's not, like, it's not a horror movie. We don't, it's not like you're waiting till the last 25 minutes to reveal what the thing looks like. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you wait, the, oh, that's what it looks like. You, we know what the Hulk looks like. Mm-hmm. We want to see him. Right. And when you're hiding him, it just seems like a little bit of a bonehead move. Well, I think what the movies have always, the first two movies have always done wrong is they've, they've very vehemently stuck to this. He can't control the Hulk. The Hulk is a monster idea. You know, this Jekyll and Hyde kind of mm-hmm. idea. And that works well enough in literature and in comic books, but you can't make a movie about a guy, a superhero who's not a superhero, you know, because you don't know how to respond. And the problem also is that you're just waiting for the Hulk the entire movie. You know, I don't care. I know what Bruce is going to do. Bruce is going to try to fight what his nature. It's not going to work. He's going to have a situation where General Ross is going to fuck up his shit. He's going to get angry. He's going to Hulk out. I just want a different story than that. You know, okay, but I and this one particularly over the other one though that's not part of this discussion. Right, yeah, yeah. It was something that resonated with me. Okay, that we we saw a Bruce struggling, and I got that he was struggling and okay. trying to do something different. Okay, Hulk uh, doesn't want to smash. Exactly. <laughs> um, I are we moving the Hulk down to number five? It's starting to sound like. Um, I would be willing to sway my vote to number five. Yeah. Okay. Together, so we're gonna For lock Hulk in. Hulk at five. Hulk at five. Again, um, Bob, I like The Incredible Hulk. I, I like, like all. Like, I like all, we the like movies, all just, these movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah, except for Stephanie, she doesn't like The Incredible Hulk. No, not really. No. <laughs> I, I mean, I'd watch it because it can be. It has fun moments, but I mean, if I'm taking the other ones, I can semi take seriously, and this one, I just. I mean, 
Gotcha. I mean, as seriously as you can take superhero <laughs> movies, but right. yeah. We take them That's... very seriously around here. Yeah. Um, so number <laughs> so that, four would be Iron Man, Man 2. 2. We're putting yeah. Iron Man, okay. It's the consensus on that one already, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my beef with it is just that he's he's fighting. You, how many times are we going to watch Iron Man fight yeah. another robotic humanoid? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? And there are really cool scenes in Iron Man too. The, the racetrack scene is awesome. Yeah, but yeah. he wears the suit for like three and a half minutes. I know, but that scene is really cool. It is cool. That scene yeah. is really cool. Um, even that last fight is is cool in theory, but when you end up fighting the same villain you fought in the first movie, basically, it's just n- why. Right. When it was all the drones, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's what I think about that. And he finally turns into well, uh, Yvonne Vanko is actually the Crimson Dynamo. Right. He's not Whiplash. But okay, so they he kind turns, of into, those two it turns into both. And, yeah. Uh, they cross those two characters. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I like the way that they do like the father and son's kind of theme to Iron Man on too. Both, on both sides. On both yeah. sides. I think that's really a really cool idea. Um, Throne better. And I think, <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, John Slattery is really good as Howard Stark. Yes. I think that's a really good, a good choice for that. So um, what are all our number threes? Thor is my number three. Uh, um, I believe Hulk, Thor was mine. Hulk was my three, but Thor was my four. Iron so Man we're, was we're, my three. Okay. Ooh. So we have, well, three Thors, I guess, and an Iron Man. Um, where was Thor on yours, Stephanie? Uh, number two. Oh. oh. So you have a little bit of a, do you want to make your case? Do you think Thor should be higher ranked than it is? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I could be swayed for sure. Verily. Verily. Bring me another. Against uh, um, against your number uh, three, Stephanie, which is Iron Man, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say that, well, for one of the reasons, and this isn't so much quality of the movie, but just that it, it kind of kick-started the, th- this whole universe, for one. Um, it showed that Marvel was taking it seriously, that this was, they, 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 they had a uh, stellar cast, they, they, they had a, 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 a perfect lead, you know, I, I think that for the first time, and I said that story, I watched the movie the first time, you had a lead character in a comic book movie that I felt like that was the person who was on the page, you know? I, I felt mm-hmm. like, especially he was as smart as the person on the page, because, uh, listen, I love the Spider-Man movies, but the first two anyway, but Tobey Maguire, you never get a sense that he's a genius, no. you know? Mm-hmm. You, Tony in the cave... It's one hell worked. of a dance. Absolutely yeah. worked. You never get a sense, even as much as I love the Nolan Batman movies, I don't get a sense that he's the world's greatest detective. You know what I mean? Yes. This is a different yes. guy. You know, it's but this, he is a ridiculously smart guy, and he's doing everything he's supposed to do. And for me, it's just it's the movie I, I think I look back on the most fondly of all these movies, so that's why I wouldn't put it down to number three. I think in some ways all comic book movies pulled into this discussion Mm -hmm. it might be the one that took its subject matter its Mm -hmm. original source material at its most serious Mm -hmm. where it went at it in a way that okay granted that was the vietnam war so we'll just push this into the gulf war Mm -hmm. but it was the same sequence of events done in the same way and really said oh we're going to do this this the origin's fine we don't have to monkey around with this here's what it is Mm mm-hmm told the character correctly, got the supporting cast right in Pepper and Happy, mm-hmm. did that, didn't say, oh, no, we, we'll make new ones because his old ones were stupid. Mm-hmm. No, we'll do those two. Did the armor mm-hmm. reasonably right? His first one is a bulky, gray, hideous <laughs> thing. Right, yeah. 
went to the in-between ones. Uh, to me, it again, as the first one, again, it's also a B-level character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At, at Marvel, this isn't Spider-Man, FF, X-Men. Mm-hmm. And did it and just knocked it out of the park. Right. Um, Stephanie, what, what, why do you love Thor so much? Um, I mean, I just thought it was, um, I don't know even. It was more, it was more, um, oh, wow, words. <laughs> I, I can't even articulate why. Oh, no, because Thor has a hammer and stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is a good reason. I mean, it's just as gutsy as Iron Man because it introduces a facet of the Marvel Universe that had not yet been on Front Street, um, you know? Right, to go cosmic. Well, yeah. Truthfully, your points kind of actually ring true with me as far as um, it really did set the pace for uh, the movies to come. Um, Iron Man, I do think now that you've sort of said it, is kind of the movie that, yeah, like it, it, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. to me kind of is Tony Stark. Like he, that's how he is in real life. Like he even Mm -hmm. kind of plays like Sherlock a bit like that. Right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And he does such a good job with it. And um, I do remember seeing Iron Man in theaters and having, like, those horrible, like, feelings of, oh, my God, how bad is this movie going to be? Because, <laughs> you know, everything else that's come before it has been kind of shit. Um, and it was so impressive. And um, I'm not a big Gwyneth Paltrow fan. And I don't love Pepper Potts, but I do think she did do a good job with the character. And I did like her character in the film. Mm. Um as for Thor, I I loved Chris Hemworth, Hemsworth, <laughs> sick, <laughs> in the film. And um, aside from pretty well, I think everyone else, like, I love Kat Dennings. But yeah, she's great. I, I don't really understand why she was in Thor. What's a meow meow? <laughs> yeah, I don't really understand why she was there. But I thought it was a really fun movie. I liked, I liked um, the graphics that went along with it. I liked the story. Tom Hiddleston as Loki mm-hmm. was just absolutely brilliant. And Best I think um, yeah. Loki, yeah. especially, and Thor, really sets up for the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the whole King Lear Shakespearean aspect of the, the, the sons, mm-hmm. the father. And to me, Thor has maybe my second favorite single moment in a movie, in, in one of these movies. In Thor learns humility by sacrificing himself to the destroyer. Hopefully, I'm not spoiling. No, I don't think everyone's seen. And laying there dead and becomes Thor. The hammer comes back or whatever. That's a wow. You you get that charge to you. Well, this is what it's supposed to be about. Absolutely. And I think in Thor, I mean, again, I agree with you completely, Steve. I think that Tom Hiddleston as Loki. He's my favorite Marvel villain in this universe. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, He's so different. He has so many layers. You know, he's not any, he isn't even someone you hate. That's what's so great about him, you know? Um, he has daddy issues. Villain you love to love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because if you didn't know the story of Thor, you would like Loki more than Thor at the beginning of that story. Yeah. You know, Loki seems yeah. like the smarter, more humble person there. And I think that's great. Um, I think all, I think, again, much like Iron Man with Thor, because it's Marvel doing it, they go, listen, he's got a magic hammer. You know, he lives among these Norse gods. Deal with it. You know, this is this is the story. So we're going to tell the story. And if you can't deal with it, that's fine. But, like, this is what it is. And they're willing to show you the hammer, too. What well, could be the goofy, right. I'm going to swing this hammer. I'm going to fly through the air. I'm going to toss a hammer at people. No, we're going to do it. Yeah. And they made it, it badass, don't. too. They made it yeah. badass. 
I saw a really funny meme online today that said, it's a picture of Chris Hemsworth, and it says, maybe he's Bjorn with it. (laughs) Maybe it's Molinier. (laughs) Nice. We also get our first look at um, Hawkeye in Thor. We do. Yep, Mm -hmm. we do. He's like, I'm going to like this guy. (laughs) But, I mean, as far as setting up the, like, I'm assuming we're talking just the best Marvel Avenger movies, period. But as far as setting up for the Avengers, I think Thor definitely places closer to the top because of Loki's, mm. you know, part I mean, in yeah, it. he and does carry over, but... Yeah. I mean, Cap, Nick, Cap does too because it's all about... And Nick Fury is... It starts out in Iron Man. You know, so the, yeah. those three movies are especially are all pretty closely intertwined mm-hmm. um, together. Um, but are we comfortable locking in Thor at number three, Stephanie? Or do you... I you suppose. Wait and, or do you want to argue the? <laughs> That's fine. I, I think we have to argue the Captain America. I think we Thor. do too, because I think I might, I might be switching my Cap and Thor. Okay, so wait, wait let's the three Thor. Well, because yes. I think one. Are we all in agreement with one? Well, no, no. we're not. Okay, then no. we we gotta just throw it all into the pot. Yeah. Um. So Thor, we have at number three. Okay. We're locking it in. It's locked in at three. Um, we're sure about that. Yes. Right. I don't know. We can't, we can't talk about this forever. <laughs> okay. We've got to lock it in. Um, so, um, number twos. Mine's Captain America. Captain America. Captain America. Oh, well, guys. <laughs> What's yours, Sony? <laughs> well, obviously, because I just swapped things around. So now, like, what, my number one is Captain America. Oh, okay. So. I might be swayed on this. I, <laughs> like, Captain America went... Onto my I, I, sitting in front of me is my top three hundred of all time list. <laughs> I love it; it's so good. And Captain America, you should see this thing; it's ridiculous. <laughs> right? I even have the chart. Holy shit! Um, Cap went from I saw it in the theater to it went onto my list at one seventy six. <laughs> right. There were moments I was tearing up in the theater. Mm-hmm. So I might be able to be swayed to Cap for number one, Stephanie. So talk to me. <laughs> talk to me here. Well. I personally, I mean, I love all these movies. I think Captain America, though, was the first one that I was just like so into the action. It was so Captain America. And um, I wasn't too familiar with the comics, but this is probably the first one out of all these movies that made me want to go out and read Captain America comics. Because I really Mm -hmm. felt that Chris Evans brought this character to life like right from it. Um, I loved Haley Atwell in it. I loved everyone. It was... Dom is oh, I can't. What's his name? Who plays Bucky in it again? Um, Dominic Cooper. Yes. yes. Okay. I was gonna say Dominic Cooper, but I wasn't one hundred percent sure that's who it was. Or is, that, or is that who plays Howard Stark? Hmm. I think they kind of they kind of look Cooper's similar. I don't know. No. Dominic Cooper is How- Howard Stark. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I will look okay. up who plays Bucky, but keep talking. Um, I I thought it was such a great story. Um, I I liked the graphics in it. I liked how you know. You went from this scrawny little Chris Evans to Captain, you know, six pack and a half. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he had a whole case there, but and, and what yeah. a, what an amazing effect to have that work. Yeah, oh yeah, the the, the, the skinny effect. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sebastian I, Stan is uh, the okay. guy who plays Bucky. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I loved just his transformation, and I loved. Um, the qualities they gave to him. I love that they had a really strong female character that I enjoyed. And I mean, even Haley Atwell is a very curvy girl and uh, she's just stunning. And I loved that they gave her a shot at this role and she just knocked it out of the park. And I'm kind of sad that 
she won't get a chance to reprise that role anytime We don't soon. know that for sure. She can well, play, what's her name, right? She can play Sharon. Sharon Carter, yeah. Who will be her Still. granddaughter at this point. Right. But mm. To me, what that movie is most about, uh, they picked the right director as they have basically all the way through these. Mm -hmm. Joe Johnson did such a great job with The Rocketeer, obviously, period mm. piece right up his alley. This movie, it's Captain America, it's Steve Rogers. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. what's at the heart of Captain America is that scrawny kid. Right. And Stanley Tucci's lines about it's, it's, it's about mm. the man inside, it's mm. all that other stuff. It, it just pays off so well when he's able to do something about it. Right, yeah. You know, you know a, a weak man knows the value of strength. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, just a quick little aside, when I was watching the movie over again, there's a scene where um, Steve Rogers is actually sitting down and drawing. Mm -hmm. He's yeah. like, oh. in his little sketchbook. It made yeah. me think of that comic with yeah. Spider-Man, where oh, yeah. like I wonder if maybe... They saw him doing that in the movie and was like, you know, well, what if he, <laughs> you know, d likes to draw and, and mm -hmm. had a comic and mm -hmm. maybe that was spawned from that. I don't know. I think so. But I, I uh, also, oh, sorry. Go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I thought uh, Hugo Weaving was, it was Hugo Weaving, yeah. correct? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. was my, sec um, my second, second favorite. favorite yeah. <laughs> Mine too. Yeah. He was just really evil. Evil. The Tommy Lee Jones stuff, stuff is, Tommy Lee Jones stuff, the, the craggy general yeah. kind of thing, uh, loved that they went for the the old uniform, mm -hmm. you know, the, the sort of flannel suit and, yeah. the, and the buccaneer boots and the whole thing, and tied this into this tour. Mm -hmm. If anyone's seen Flags of Our Fathers, the Eastwood movie about yeah. the Iwo Jima heroes who did virtually that, so you're tying into sort of what the real history of the period would have been. Yeah. Oh, I'm starting to. I'm starting. Well, I'm I, starting to come onto Stephanie's camp here. What I loved about <laughs> Captain America was the fact that, like, the the journey of it, that it, mm -hmm. the where it began, where it ended. That to me, of all of the Marvel movies, it feels like the biggest one of all of them, just from mm -hmm. a from a journey standpoint, from like like his becoming the Captain America, and I, there were several adventures. I mean, even just in the. Um, like the montage mm -hmm. of him learning to be Captain yes. America and him being disrespected and then having to go in and complete that mission. He comes back, he earns their respect. Like there was a huge, probably more of an arc to his character yeah. than any of the others. <laughs> mm -hmm. with, that moment when he walks up the road yeah. with, with the prisoners, mm -hmm. uh, that got me. One of that my favorites. really yeah. put me in, in, in a thing. And the end, Stan's version of Cap coming back is... The end of the war, I went down this road before, but briefly, you know, he and Bucky, end of the war, try to stop a drone, gets blown up, Bucky dies, he falls into the ice. Mm -hmm. Here, Cap chooses yeah. his own demise mm -hmm. to save New York from the Nazis mm -hmm. with your, we'll, we'll go dancing kind of thing. Yeah. And when he comes, when he wakes up 70 years later, it's, I had a date as the last line of the movie. Oh, that's killer. <laughs> that is killer. Um, and it's really sweet. I, there's a, I think I've mentioned this site before, but how it should have ended. I don't know if you guys no. have seen those before, no. the little animated things. But it's, they have a kind of hilarious one for Captain America, which I think everyone should go and watch. Or if I remember, we'll put on, <laughs> you yes. know, the post for the podcast. But mm. it's... It's pretty hilarious. It's him in that last moment, and you know Peggy's kind of like, can't, can't you just like put it on autopilot? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like take another plane and you know fly. It's, fly. Uh, it's disabled. Like, yeah, it, it's great. Anyways, but I think um, he just has so much more to lose. Um, everyone else kind mm -hmm. of has something 
I mean, Thor's Thor. He's badass. He's got powers. He punches things. He's got a hammer. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, I mean, Iron Man, he has money. Um, the Hulk, well, he's smart. And, <laughs> and he's the Hulk. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And But, like, Steve Rogers doesn't have anything. He has so much more to lose with this. And it's just such it's – it's more of a compelling story to me. Well, what I like about Captain America is I like that it's a period piece. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that in much the same way that they took a big chance with Thor, they take an equal chance in a, in a different way with Captain America, which is it's a hero that has no um, quirk to him. You know, he's not a yeah. he, he's not a Norse god. He's not this kind of motor mouth genius. He doesn't turn into this giant green. He's thing. a good old boy. He's a scrawny kid from Brooklyn. He's just a normal good guy. You know, and there is a lot of opportunity. And what I thought at first when they cast Chris Evans in the role was, okay, so this is what they're going to do. They're going to turn everybody into kind of this sort of Robert Downey Jr. esque. Because Chris Based Evans, on his is, a, torch. Chris Evans yeah. is, a, is a comic actor, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't do that at Apple all. They, they, the losers. Exactly. They played it completely straight. And they showed that you don't have to be an anti-hero to be cool, you know? Because Captain America is still awesome, you know? It, yeah. He still does really badass stuff. And I, I think it's something, the movie proves to me that you can do that. You know, and it's something they've been struggling with at DC with the Superman thing for a very long time. You know, and oh, they, they seem to think they have, they, they have to do all this shit Superman to make him cool. Yeah. Just do it like this. Yeah. You know, you know do what it I mean? Earnestly and honestly, and, and it'll play. Well, yeah. I'm gonna add this in too. Um, truthfully, like living in Canada, I thought that the movie was gonna be filled with a lot of US patriotism. Mm-hmm. And I was actually kind of dreading seeing it in theaters, and I was debating on whether I even wanted to see it in theaters. And because I just, I mean, when you're not American, you don't necessarily want to see all this, ha ha ha, USA <laughs> stuff like all the time. So, I mean, when I went into the theaters and I saw it, and at the end of it, and I was just like, mm, this is so great, I love this, <laughs> and it was just so much fun, and it was so enjoyable, even from somebody who isn't all rah 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 US. Mm-hmm. It, I mean. That to me was also something that was remarkable too, from a movie called Captain America. Right. So, that's just putting that out there from Canada, eh? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and I also do think it has probably the only like fulfilled and fleshed out love story of any of the Marvel movies. Yes. In a lot of ways, you know the uh, the the Jane Foster Thor thing is fine, but they knew each other for like a week, you know, mm-hmm. and these people they know each other for years. So, we're going to say something, Steve? I didn't like that part of Thor. What, the, the Jane Foster stuff? I thought it was tacked on. I thought mm. it was kind of lame. Natalie Portman. My, yeah. thing, my thing is, oh. like, she just wasn't nerdy enough. Like, she's supposed to, like... Well, she was his nurse. If we go back to the books, right. Jane Foster was Dr. Don Blake's nurse, who we're not even dealing with yeah. at this point, except it's the ex-boyfriend. Yeah, well, they made yeah. that, yeah, which <laughs> yeah. I thought was pretty funny. Um, <clears throat> the thing about their whole thing is, like, he's hot, she's hot, of course they're going to have sex. Like, yeah. that's what happens, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. Steve Rogers doesn't know how to dance. Yes. But she's going to teach him. Yeah. It's so sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, after all those arguments. Captain America is my number one. <laughs> I think we got to go Captain America for number one. Like, Iron Man. Iron Man is, I think, the reason that we, I mean, I even I put Iron Man. Iron Man, I used to not even like Iron Man at all. 
as a character really? or the movie? The movie. When I first saw it, I didn't like it. Oh wow. Um, I when I I no. All right, I liked it, <laughs> but I didn't see what the big deal was. Iron Man 2, I outright hated. It bored me to death the first time I saw it. This past week was the second time I'd ever seen it. I like like what Bob said. Mm-hmm. I liked it more, but it still has its faults. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the thing with Iron Man, Iron Man is a great, great, great movie. But it's also, like, super cool. I think that Captain America, just in, in scope, is better than okay. Iron Man. I would I would put it at number one. I gotta switch my spot. Um, just before, I mean, I have no problem. If Captain sure. America ends up number one, I have no problem. But just kind of quickly in defense of Iron Man, in all impact, but it's just, it's coolness. Um, let's not forget, it does have a good character arc because Tony does go from being this... Yeah, warmonger. Yeah, kind of yep. horrible person to mm-hmm. this person who feels his responsibility in the world. Um, the whole The whole opening of Iron Man, I think, is... Just about perfect. I think mm-hmm. from the the opening, like the cold open to the flashback to who Tony is, yeah. going back to the cave. I think the whole cave thing is great, um, and I think that is really emotional as well. I think when that guy dies in the cave, yeah. it's a really emotional yeah, moment. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you feel it from Tony. You know, Tony sees this. Tony knows this guy is the reason why he's going to have a better life. And he tells him. Uh, he tells Tony, "Don't waste it. Yeah, don't waste this chance." Yeah. Um. I think the scene, I, I, all the stuff where he's getting into his suit and figuring out how to work his suit is both a lot of fun and really hilarious as well. Yeah. Yeah, his um, little uh, robot. Yes. Um, I'll donate you to Southern <laughs> Cal or whatever. The scene where he goes to like the Middle East and stops all the terrorists yeah. is awesome. Yeah. He does awesome shit yeah. in that scene. The problem with Iron Man 2, uh, Iron Man 1, sorry, and Iron Man 2 actually, is the, the ending is not great. Yeah. And I'm the ending, yeah. the, the final, ba- it's just that battle because everything leading up to it is awesome. You know, it's just that one battle is bad because they gimp Iron Man. You know, they, they can't do all the things he's supposed to do. Yeah, he's got the wrong heart yeah. or whatever going on there. The very sure. end is awesome. The I yes. am Iron Man yeah. thing, the way to end that movie is great. So I just want to say that, you know, I just wanted to put it like that's my defense of Iron Man. Though I will say that I did love Captain America and... It was a very close for me between Iron Man and Captain America on my one and two. Yeah. I, Bob and I had a long discussion after I saw the movie, and I even think I even said to you that day yeah. that I think it might be my favorite of the movies. It just was something that I had to figure mm-hmm. out. So I'm good with going with Captain America for number one. Okay. I also like that Captain America is an underdog story. Absolutely. Always love an underdog yeah. story. Well, and his last battle, the whole Red Skull thing, weaving's great. Yeah. First of all, we, we pulled... I was skeptical about the whole Hydra thing. Mm-hmm. And that works so well. He's yeah. even worse than the Nazis. Right, yeah. Hydra and, and the Skull are worse. And in the old stories, the old Kirby Lee stories, it was, well, even Hitler was afraid of the Red Skull. Right. The so makeup. We, we, the makeup we, is phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, we pull all that in. Um, we have a big physical battle. Mm-hmm. And we, we've got everyone involved. And then it, it gets to the smaller story. Mm-hmm. We go right back to that. They weren't afraid to be emotional about that. Yeah. And that's that more than any of the other movies is maybe that's where I'm gonna change my vote just on that. Awesome. Thank okay. you, Stephanie. You're welcome. <laughs> so we have Iron Man at number <laughs> two. Iron Man is over. number two. And Captain America, the first Avenger at number one. I have to change my list now. So what's our uh, what's our final list, Bob? Hulk at number five, Iron Man two at number four, Thor. Iron Man, Captain America, the first Avenger. All right. There you have it. Nice list. I like that list. 
I think it's a good one. I enjoy it too. All right. So, so where are we putting Blade? <laughs> oh God! Let's, let's start to go not with the Mar- other that's ones. A, that- that's not Marvel produced. <laughs> the Blade is the reason why all of this is happening right now. That's absolutely right. It's the reason why because it was the first successful like Marvel comic book movie ever made, and it was well done. Oh yeah, it, it really was, well was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which led to X Men, and then I don't know, but. Mm. There we go. All right, so we're going to go to this week's releases. Ooh. And we have a little special treat during this week's releases yes. from Steve. Um, so when we get oh. there, make sure to remind me. All right, so from Boom Studios, we have Fanboys vs. Zombies, number two. Meh. We have Garfield, <laughs> number one. Yeah. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. I hate Mondays. Um, <laughs> Very but he nice. loves lasagna. <laughs> Don't we all? Um, from DC, we have Action Comics, number nine. We have Animal Man number nine. Yeah, yeah. We have Batwing number nine. Detective Comics number nine. Yeah. Um, both Detective and Batwing, though, are both Night of the Owls crossovers. Uh, extra money spent. Uh, yep, exactly. Are you sure that Detective is? Yes, it says it right on here. Does it now? Night of the Owls. Fuck. Um, Dial H number one, which is what we wanted to talk about. Dial yes. H. Yes. Obviously, this week is the start of some of the new number ones from the DC New 52. The new New 50. Yes, yes. exactly. Uh, a little quick aside, instead of doing Off the Beaten Path this week, I'll just give you a little heads up. Uh, if you head to your local comic shop or what have you, uh, be sure to check out The Brave and the Bold number 27 from August of 09. It's a Batman and Dial H for Hero uh, crossover comic that gives you, I read it, I loved it, would have been my favorite book of the week, um, gives you a really, really great introduction into what Dial H is going to be about. Um, again, Brave and the Bold number 27, I'm not going to get into it because doing a list, Fantastic. Pick cool. it up. It's a nice companion piece to what's to come later today. It's J. Michael Straczynski, it looks like, there. Yes. That's ah. um, awesome. All right. So, also in the new New 52, Earth 2, number one. I'll be there. I'll be talking about it next week, one way or the other. Uh, GI Combat, number one. Uh, Green Arrow, number nine. Justice League International, number nine. Red Lanterns, number nine. Smallville season eleven number one previously a digital only now it's uh, uh, in print huh. Stormwatch number nine um, Swamp Thing number nine yeah. Sweet Tooth number thirty three yay and World's Finest number one I'll fold that into Earth two <laughs> um, from Dynamite we have Boys number sixty six we have Kirby Genesis Silver Star Arg. number five <laughs> we have Lone Ranger number five Red Sonia number sixty six. Spider number one, Voltron Year Pulp One Hero number two. Forties. Oh yeah, seems that's, to be kind of what they do a lot, right? Dynamite. Yeah, that's, that's what Stan took it from. Gotcha. The, the Spider, Master of Men, had a gun and a big hat and cape and so on. So ah, okay. Yeah, it seems sorry. like Dynamite. Sorry to just no, no, that's that great. That's good. It seems like Dynamite does that with a lot of things, right? I mean, they're doing the shadow. Yeah. They're Green Hornet, which yeah, is Green back Horn- same period. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, from IDW, we have Thirty Days of Night number seven. We have Dorothy Who Classic Series 4, number 3. We have... What, what was I'm going to say wait. Doctor Who, not Dorothy Who. Uh, <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Who. Classic Series number uh, uh, 4 of 3. Dorothy of I, Oz, prequel number 3. I'd pay, I to see, I'd pay to see Dorothy Who. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I got them confused. It's a crossover. Yeah. G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, number 178. Yo, we have Joe. Star Trek, number 8. Um, Image Comics, we have Evangeline, number 8. Blue Estate, number 11. Bulletproof Coffin, Disinterred, number four. 
We have Epic Kill, number one. Sweet. Hack Slash, number 15. We have Mind the Gap, number one. Yeah. Pigs, number seven. Spawn, number 219. Supreme, number 64. Vassell, number seven. And Witchblade, number 150. Um, from Marvel, we have Age of Apocalypse, number three. We have Amazing Spider-Man, number 685. Yeah. Ends of the Earth. Yep. We have Avengers Academy, number 29. Yeah. We have... Um, Avengers vs. X-Men number three. Yay. We have Daredevil number 12. We have Defenders number six. Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz yeah. number wow. six. Dorothy's all over. She Holy crap. Exiled number one. We have Fury Max one. We have Hulk Smash Avengers number one of five. <laughs> we have Invincible Iron Man number 516. We have Marvel's The Avengers Black Widow Strikes number one of three. Gee, can we say movie tie-in? Yes. Um, we have Toy Story number three of four, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 10. Sweet. Venom number 17. Wolverine and the X-Men Alpha and Omega number five of five. Hooray. X-Factor number 235. Mm-hmm. And X-Men number 28. Yay. And of course, from, of course tied in, we're assuming. From mm-hmm. Zenoscope Entertainment, we have Grim Fairy Tales, Myths and Legend number 16. Hurrah. There you go. Um, oh, before we get out of here, though, I almost missed something. We had some listeners write in about their ranking of the Marvel movies. Oh, ah. So, Stephanie, do you have those, right? Yeah, I did. Um, so, <laughs> for the most part, obviously, some of them compare with ours. But um, Wasted Kitten sent in his, and it was Captain America or hers, his, her. I'm sorry. I don't know if you're his or her. Theirs. <laughs> you we'll just she. say theirs. Uh, anyway, so Wasted Kitten said Captain America, Hulk, Iron Man, and then Thor. So Iron Man 2 apparently mm. wasn't on there at all. Um Caleb Versayer, okay, <laughs> the sleep drifter, uh, said Captain America, Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, and he hasn't watched Thor yet. What? Well, <laughs> get, on get on it. Watch all of these now. movies before Friday. Yeah. It's important. Uh, well, you have to see Thor to tie in, and then there's Hawkeye and all that yeah. stuff. Um, Sarah Bell, who is who sent in that big question last week about um, women in comics and all that, um, who is, I am a giant, I am giant woman, said, today it's Thor, Iron Man, Captain America, Iron Man 2. This changes often. The Hulk <laughs> movies so far don't count. Having said that, Norton made a great Hulk. Banna didn't. Ruffalo steals the show. Hope rumors <laughs> of a movie Hulk rough are true. So mm, Rough. Yeah. Rough, rough. She might be a, a Brit or something because it's already out internationally. If you're well, saying rough, I mean, she, she, she might have also gotten a screener. Yeah. Like my friend oh, saw okay. it on Monday, and he actually got to meet Mark Ruffalo and uh, Colby Colby Smulders. Yes, uh, as he dressed up as Captain America for the premiere. Oh, very wow. cool. Yeah, so he got a big photo taken with them. So. Kudos to you, Eric. Anyways. <laughs> I think I'll dress up as Happy Hogan for Friday. <laughs> I think uh, Kobe took a picture with a cosplaying Maria Hill, too. So Very nice. Anyways, so Kristen McHugh said, in order, um, the movies are Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, but her favorite Marvel movie is X-Men First Class. Well, it doesn't count. Well, It was very good, though. She clearly wanted to just put that in there. She gave us, you know... Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, but it was very all-time good. favorite is X-Men First Class. Screw it, everyone. My list, my five. That's right. X-Men First Class. <laughs> I agree. It's so good. Um, I am the best X-Men movie. 
Scott Stamper, who is Durful mm. Macklin, said Captain America, Iron Man Thor, The Incredible Hulk, and then Iron Man 2. Captain and Iron Man are fairly neck and neck, though. Yes, we agree. We do agree. <laughs> There's a lot of love for Cap. Yep. Um, he also said favorite non-Marvel produced Marvel movies are X-Men First Class, Spider-Man 2, and Blade. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yes. And then Desmodus Desertus, who is Dunebat, <laughs> uh, said he just listed a whole bunch of Marvel movies in general. So it was just Iron Man, Thor, Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, X-Men First Class, Blade, and Men in Black are my favorites. Men in Black. Well, and it was a Malibu comic and Marvel owned Malibu for like a minute and a half. So it's technically a Marvel movie. Wow. Exactly. And last but not least, Andrew Fitzsimmons says, from last to first, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man, Thor, Iron Man 2, Captain America. No love for Howard the Duck. Wow. <laughs> I made this look good. <laughs> Couple mentions of Blade, and I'm impressed. Mm. Is that all, Stephanie? That is all for today. Well, if you want to have your comments or questions read out um, at Talking Comics on Twitter and info at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address or on Facebook, Facebook.com backslash Talking Comics. And of course, the website, TalkingComicBooks.com where you can find reviews and other goodness columns by Mr. Bob Ryer, um, by Brian Verderosa, who just rejoined us as a columnist, uh, reviews and all other stuff from Steve and I. Um, so check that out as well. Um, but that's it for this week. We're going to be back actually doing a special show um, on Saturday to review the Avengers. And then we will not be back um, on that Tuesday. Um, Steve and Stephanie have other engagements that are very important. Florence and the Machine, uh, Radio yes. City Musical. yes, bitch. I love <laughs> yeah. that hoe. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, so... We will be taking a week off, but you will get an Avengers show on Saturday, so d- you will technically still be getting a show from us that week. Yeah. All right. So that okay. is it for Talking Comics for this week. For Steve. Have fun at the Avengers. Bob. Avita Zane. And Stephanie. Bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>